In the name of one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. And Mary said, My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on his lowly servant. From this day all generations will call me blessed. The Almighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. He has mercy on those who fear him in every generation. He has shown the strength of his arm. He has scattered the proud in their conceit. He has cast down the mighty from their thrones and has lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent empty away. He has come to the help of his servant Israel, for he has remembered his promise of mercy, the promise he made to our fathers, to Abraham and his children forever. Just who is this Messiah that Mary anticipates? If you have grown up in the church, you are most likely very familiar with the words of Mary's song. If you are like me, you have heard the words of the Magnificat thousands of times, and they have become more precious and beautiful than revolutionary. Just who is the Messiah that Mary anticipates? Mary sings the Magnificat. It's Latin translation, Magnificat anima mea dominum. Generally, we translate this, my soul magnifies the Lord. The Magnificat has been embedded in the liturgy of our Christian communities since the very earliest days of the church. Did you know for centuries, some religious orders have recited the song or sung it every single day? Mary sings and her words are a spontaneous response to her cousin, Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist, upon her pronouncement that Mary is indeed blessed. But that's just the setting of the song. The larger context tells us much more about the story. It is a time of great uncertainty. Mary's future is bleak. Remember that she is an unwed 14 or 15 year old dirt poor peasant girl living in a backwater nothing of a town and she is pregnant. She is most certainly going to suffer horrible retribution from her community for her unconscionable condition. St. Matthew's Gospel informs us that Joseph, Mary's fiance, is just going to quietly call the wedding off in an attempt to discreetly protect her from the humiliation which will make her a social outcast. Of course, in St. Matthew's Gospel, Mary is mute. Not a word leaves her lips. She is present, but silent as the night of which we will sing. But not here. Not here in St. Luke's Gospel. Mary sings. 
According to Jewish law, Mary faces a very real threat of being stoned to death for adultery. So don't envision her peacefully sitting at a table, this lovely, radiant woman composing the Magnificat. See her as a very young girl who is living in poverty, who is defiantly singing to her God and to our God with fists and teeth clenched against the tears that roll down her cheeks. A child who through her dismay and confusion sings this courageous song of praise to God. Mary sings, her voice soaring in her expectant and revolutionary libretto, and her song will become a radical resource for all who seek to honor the call to holiness amid the suffering and the conflicts of real life. Just who is the Messiah Mary anticipates? Mary sings with parts of her song echoing the song of Hannah, which we find in the first book of Samuel. And of course, her voice is reminiscent of the anguished cries of the prophet who came before her because Mary, too, is a prophet. She prophesies deliverance. She prophesies, this is driving me crazy. Is there any way to stop it? She prophesies deliverance. She prophesies about a way that is coming in the wilderness of injustice. Mary sings, not just a solo aria about her own destiny, but a freedom song on behalf of all the faithful poor in the land. Mary sings a song of freedom for all who in their poverty and wretchedness still believe that God will make a way where there is no way. The Magnificat is the longest set of words spoken by any female in the entirety of the New Testament. And it is a statement that just in the past 100 years has been banned from being publicly prayed by three different government institutions. Throughout history, the words of this prophet, the words of the first priest who bears the Christ to the world, have been feared as too subversive, too defiant. People on the margins have identified with these powerful words and have been inspired to believe that God can actually liberate them, can carry them from their plight. During the British rule of India between 1935 and 1944, the Magnificat was prohibited from being sung in church. In 1977, the mothers of the Plaza de Mayo, whose children all disappeared during the Dirty War, a time of state-sponsored terrorism and dictatorship, placed the Magnificat's words on posters throughout the Capitol Plaza. 
and the military junta of Argentina outlawed any public display of Mary's song. In the 1980s, Guatemala's government discovered Mary's words about God's preferential love for the poor to be too dangerous and revolutionary. Mary's words were inspiring the Guatemalan poor to believe that change was indeed possible. The German theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer recognized the nature of Mary's song And before being executed by the Nazis, he spoke these words in a sermon during Advent in 1933. The Song of Mary is the oldest Advent hymn. It is at once the most passionate, the wildest, one might even say the most revolutionary Advent hymn ever sung. This is not the gentle, tender, dreamy Mary whom we sometimes see in paintings, he continues. The song has none of the sweet, nostalgic, or even playful tones of some of our Christmas carols. It is instead a hard, strong, inexorable song about the power of God and the powerlessness of humankind. Mary sings a revolutionary song of salvation whose political, economic, and social dimensions cannot be blunted. People in need in every society hear a blessing in this canticle. The battered woman, the single parent without resources, those without food on the table and without even a table the family who is experiencing homelessness, the young abandoned to their own devices, the old who are discarded, all are encompassed in the hope which Mary proclaims. Normally when we read or we listen to Mary's Magnificat, we are tempted to soften its message and spiritualize its meaning. But I'd like for us to read Mary's song afresh, as if for the first time. What does Mary mean by her words? What sorts of things does Mary expect God to do through his anointed one? What does Mary expect the long-awaited Messiah to be like? What does she see as the Messiah's mission on earth? What sorts of things does Mary anticipate he'll accomplish? Just who is the Messiah that Mary anticipates? Mary sings of a Messiah who will bring about wondrous reversals in the world. Mary envisions God's anointed one upsetting the status quo by turning virtually everything upside down. He's the one who inverts human structures and values. And not long after reciting this now famous song, the Romans will require Mary to walk 70 miles while pregnant with a full-term baby, to a small rural town of Bethlehem. It is the walk which we will hear of this evening. You know, recent archaeological findings reveal that Bethlehem was home 
to no more than 200 or 300 people at the time. Imagine close to the same number of people you will sit with this evening when you return to hear the story of the newborn king. And soon after arriving in Bethlehem, or perhaps even while they were traveling, Mary begins to experience the pains of labor. And there, in that insignificant rural village, Mary will be homeless while giving birth to her first child. So picture this with me, if you will. There sits Mary, attempting to recover from the long trip to Bethlehem and the stressful conditions in which she gave birth to Jesus. There she is, a new mother who cradles the Messiah gently in her hands. Just who is the Messiah, Mary anticipates. Who is the Messiah that we anticipate? Picture this with me, if you will. Here we sit, attempting to recover from the long trip through the season of Advent, through the season of elections, through the season of a first semester at school, the hiring process of a new job, the packing up to leave a job we loved, a diagnosis of terminal disease, one more treatment, divorce hearing, traffic accident. And here we are invited to cradle the Messiah gently in our hands. Here, here at this altar, the body of Christ, the bread of heaven, Who is the Messiah that we anticipate? Mary sings of a son who will become the king of the Jews. I wonder if on that first Christmas night, Mary found herself singing once again, like she had months before in her Magnificat. For God to topple rulers like Herod, from their thrones of power and domination. Or if she sang the thanksgivings of any mother, that she held in her hands a healthy baby boy who would become the man who would save the world. What will we sing for as we prepare for tonight? What will we sing when we hold the Christ in our hands. Just who is the Messiah we anticipate?